Great, wonderful. Now, I don't know what this week has been like for you, especially Monday, um, all these protests, right? Maybe you live nearby and uh, suddenly you couldn't go home because the roads were blocked, or you tried to go to work, but the MTR was shut. Um, we had to cancel our summer leagues. Even yesterday, suddenly, uh, we moved in Taiwan, and uh, some people had to leave our leagues group early, those kind of things. It has a, an impact on normal life, right? Whatever you think of the, the rights and wrongs, and that's often the case. You know, we live our lives here, and I find that I can also just think about myself. I have my work, I have my home, my family, and I just live my life. And, and I almost don't notice everything around me. But a time like this actually we're confronted, you know, the world is bigger than just me and my life. Uh, what's going on in the world, this whole city, affects us. Uh, it's the bigger picture. And sometimes I think picture is good, although in this case it is not very good, right? I talk to people after summer and uh, they had a nice holiday, uh, they are rested, but actually there's these dark clouds hanging over them. And the big picture here in the world is uh, it brings despair. People don't know the future. It's a big picture. Well, today's song is going to give us a, a big picture. Actually, an even bigger picture. And as I hope you've heard at the end of the reading, a very positive picture. That's what I want to give us today. I want us to see things get introspective. Now, what kind of song is this? Why does this song give us that? Well. It's a bit of a different psalm from the past few weeks. We've done all kinds of psalms, right? Psalms of ascent and psalms of wisdom and psalms of confidence and psalms of trust and uh, last week, a lament. And today it can sound a lot like a lament, right? Someone who is crying out to God, Lord, what is happening? Where are you? But actually, this is a, it's a different psalm. This is not about us. This is not words that we can always take. And you get that partly from the, the title. So Kevin read the title right, about this is a psalm of David. And I don't know what you think of these titles. They, they are inspired. They're part of the Bible. Just as a tip for when you read the psalms, they matter. Like Psalm 51. I mean, how you read Psalm 51 is really affected by these words, right? For the director of music, a psalm of David. When the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Now you suddenly know how to read this song, right? Uh, last week's lament, I'm not going to read all this stuff, but uh, a most skillful theme on the Eskapite. Uh, just an ordinary guy, probably a music team leader, but this is a song by an ordinary person. Uh, so it speaks to ordinary people. But today, as you see, is a song of David. And when it's a song of David, you sometimes need to be a bit careful. Because sometimes, you know, David is just an ordinary person like us, a believer, a sinner. And sometimes, though, David is not like us. So, Psalm 101. So what do you think of a verse like this? This is David writing. Every morning I will put to silence all the wicked in the land. I will cut off every evildoer from the city of the Lord. And that's an embarrassing verse, right? Bit harsh, you know. And what should you do? You read this in your quiet time. Is this an example for you? Okay, let me get a stick and go out and beat up people who don't obey God. No, that's not what this verse means. This is David speaking 
he's in charge of the police and the courts and the army, and it's his job that there's justice in the city, right? and justice in the land. And so this is not something that, you know, this is about me, this is about David and team. And Psalm 22, especially as you hear the end, this is about a king, David as king. Um, why would you sing about the king? You may wonder. I mean, well, why sing about the king? Well, we sing songs about God, right? Why do we sing about God? Because what God is like affects our life. And what the king is like, well, they know that affects our life. If you have a good government or a bad government, that really affects your life, doesn't it? And so, singing about David was such a great king. It will affect you. And even after David died, what these songs became? Well, people thought, what if there was another king like David? What if there was you no know, great Because you hear these words, and I don't know if you thought, David, when did this ever happen to him? You know, some of these words, it's so huge that you think, this never happened to him. I think from David's perspective, it's just, you know, poetry. It's exaggerated. You know, sometimes you feel uh, something happened to you and you feel so much worse than it actually was. And he's kind of, you know, that's this kind of poetry. But maybe one day there will be a king. And what was exaggeration for David might be really true. So that's how we're going to look at this song. We're going to not look at it yet. This is me. But this is a. And that will speak to us and encourage us and, and be wonderful. But uh, what do we see in this psalm? Well, it starts, like I said, with a lament, with suffering. And what I think is so beautiful about the psalms is this first-person perspective, right? It's written inside the mind. You sometimes you see someone suffer, you know, a friend who is sick, and you know, you can see them, but do you know what's really going on? Like, you can see in their head. And here you can see inside the king's head what he's really thinking, what's going on. And, and that is this horror, especially of this, an innocent king who is forsaken. An innocent king forsaken. A big question in verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of, of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. And here is someone forsaken. He, day and night, he cries out. There's no answer. And, and, and that is so contrary to his experience. And you, he doesn't understand it. And you get this, you know, why have you forsaken me? I know who you are, and you know who I am, and why have you forsaken me? And then the next verse is this kind of back and forth, you and me. How can this be? Yeah, because, you know, this is not who you are. Verse 3. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Look, God, if people trust in you, you save them. Look, thousands of years. That's all that's what you've done. You're the faithful covenant God who cares about your people. And so you always save them. But, but me, now... It's, it's wrong. Verse 6, I, I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. 
All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. I'm a joke. Everyone's making fun of me. Everyone's rejected me. They, they reject and they, they make fun of my relationship with you. That's the hard thing. Verse 8. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. And, you know, they are making fun of his relationship with, with the Lord. You know, he's, he thought it was special. He's got a special relationship with God. But now he's just suffering and rejected. And everyone is joking, basically, you know, you're just an ordinary sinner. You're just an ordinary person like the rest of us. You're not special. God has rejected you. He should, because look at you. And it hurts us, because he knows it's just not true. Verse 9, yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you've been my God. No, I've always trusted you as far back in time as I can go. I've always been trusting you. I've always been faithful to you. You've always been with me. But now, where are you? You're far from me. And he's, he's forsaken. And it's so contrary to everything he knows. And I can feel the anguish, the, the horror. Because in a way, being forsaken by God is but especially at this time, right? Be, be not far from me, for trouble is near. Because he then, he then looks around and he sees his suffering. Now, well, what's happening? Well, he's surrounded by his enemies. Verse 12, many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey, open their mouths wide against me. And he's got these people wild beast, this dangerous, threatening, you know, lions, bulls, dogs, I mean, dirty, unclean, dangerous animals going around him. Well, what do you notice though? They didn't do very much, right? The only thing they do is that they go around him and growl. It's a bit strange. Why don't they do anything? Well, they've already done something. Because this king is in intense pain. And verse 14, I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is turned to wax. End of verse 16, they, they pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. Uh, they, they've done something. He's in intense pain. They've pierced his hands and feet. His bones are out of joint. It's an execution. They're just watching him die. They're walking around him. And they're, they're watching him die. Uh, they are treating him as dead. You know, they're finding on his clothes and his garments. You know, he's not going to need it anymore. He's going to die. He's being innocent. And in the midst of that, yeah, God was always with him, and now God has forsaken him. That is what he's facing. Now, I, I hope you can clearly see. You know, this this really must be Jesus on the cross. Now, you read the New Testament, and in six different times, this, this part is quoted in the New Testament, always referring to the cross. You've heard those verses, right? Oh, my God, my God, piercing the hands and feet, and this clearly is Jesus. Jesus being forsaken, Jesus being executed. And you can get that question, why? For them, it's a big question, why? 
find it the most wonderful person in her. The greatest thing humanity has to be executed. But Christians, we know the answer. Who is the one who deserves to be rejected by God? Who is the one who deserves to be executed? Well, that's us. The way we get it. The way we you know, try to live without our creator. We deserve this. But this song is not about us. This is about Jesus. And Jesus suffered this for you. He suffered this in your place. He took this great anguish in order on himself. So that you could be saved. It's interesting, he keeps trusting, he keeps praying. But that was not in vain. And he kept trusting God, he fully obeyed. But then, yeah, verse 19 to 21, you know, he is a praise, he wants to be rescued, and the wonderful thing is he does get rescued. And verse 21, now in verse 21 you don't notice it here with the NIV. But here's another uh, translation. In verse 21, you know, he keeps praying, save me from the mouth of the lion, from the horns of the wild oxen, you have rescued me. Suddenly there, there's this change in tense. After all the suffering and all the praying, suddenly you have rescued me. No more prayer, there, there's a fast tense. And then from verse 22, it all changes. And did, did this David, you know, his king was almost dead, but at the last moment, rested. Uh, it's a bit like one of those movies with a bomb, and uh, they need to defuse it. For some reason, it's always with one second left in the bomb, right? It's never with a few hours, it's always one second. But that's here. He is done and uh, one second before David dies, God rescues him. And uh, this is the theme here, the very last moment. I, David didn't really rise from the death. But one second, it's as close as he could get to being raised from the death. But what that is what's happening here, because after all the, after his prayer, it changes. Verse 22, right? You can hear the joy. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him. All you descendants of Israel. He's, he's no longer... 
being surrounded by his enemies. He's surrounded by worshippers. And he's not on the cross, he is on the throne. And he's leading the people in, in thanks and, and praise. Right? Uh, wonderful. You know, it's uh, not just a praise. There's a feast. Yeah, verse 25. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. And those who seek the Lord will praise him. He is, he's having a banquet. And the poor and the needy, all the people who've also suffered, they are there. And, and they're eating and being satisfied. The, the end of verse 26. May your hearts live forever. That's a toast. Right? This is a banquet. I don't know, what, what are you saying here? Gombui, something like that. That, that. That's what it is, right? A celebration. Because that's what the resurrection is, right? The resurrection is, yeah, after death, resurrection. That's why we celebrate at Easter. There is this wonderful restoration. The king is back on the throne, and they're, they're feasting, they're praising God. And he himself singing the loudest. You know, I don't know what you thought Jesus went through when he was raised from the dead. Glad that's over with. No, full of joy because his father was faithful. His father raised him and now he's with his people celebrating. Uh, wonderful vision. And, and, and it doesn't end there because, yeah, the people of Israel. But did you notice how much greater the vision of this psalm is? Verse 27. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations will bow down before him. And it is one king suffering. It's not just the people of Israel. All the ends of the earth are now streaming in to the celebration and coming to the Lord. All the families of the nations. Of course, God is the God of the whole world. Verse 28. Dominion belongs to the Lord. He rules over the nations. Of course, this was always his plan. And at the start of the Bible, he promised to Abraham through you. All the nations will be blessed. Well, here they are. All the families of the nations come and bow down before the Lord and, and this king. And, yeah, that's what we see here, right? Look around your church. People from all the earth. And not just, it's even greater, not just the whole earth. Did you notice the all throughout time? Yeah, verse 29, all the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. I mean, who will be here? People who go down to the dust. People who can't keep themselves alive. If they couldn't keep themselves alive, they shouldn't be dead, right? Except they're not. They're here in front of the king. It's hints that, you know, people who are dead will be there. People who have trusted God and looked forward to this king for thousands of years, they are there. And not just the past, the future. Verse 30, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn. Past, present, future, the whole world, everyone through time and space, there, coming back to God, all through the suffering of this one king. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Again, we weren't there, but it was told to us, right? The great news. We, they will feast and worship. We've worshipped. We're going to feast. All because we heard that message. 
And there at the end, he has done it. It is done. Or as Jesus said, it is finished. What a great vision, isn't it? You know, yes, this psalm is not about us, but it is, right? Because we are the poor and needy. We are the ends of the earth. And we will be there celebrating, feasting forever with Jesus in God's presence, isn't That is the vision of this psalm. So much bigger than our lives. So much bigger than the present time. That is what this psalm is giving us. Just before we apply that, can you see how amazing the Old Testament is, right? And the New Testament. You know, such incredible detail, all fulfilled here. You know, so many things about the crucifixion predicted a thousand years in advance. You know, Jesus uh, once, uh, he did a Bible overview when he was raised from the dead. Uh, He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled what is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. And he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. That's my three sermon points, right? Suffering, raised from the dead, proclaimed to the nations. It's, it's just amazing. It's just, if, if you're not convinced the Bible is God's words, can I ask, how do you explain things like this? You know, how do you explain this, these details, this accuracy? You know, that this psalm wasn't written later, we, there's copies of a hundred years before Jesus that we have. It can't be written later. How did Jesus fulfill this? Some of it, yeah. Maybe he said, my God, my God, on the cross deliberately. That's true. But, you know, piercing hands and feet. Crucifixion wasn't even invented a thousand years before Jesus. You know, uh, that he would get crucified. Uh, that uh, that the people would divide up his clothes, you know? (laughs) Just a big picture. Even if you ignore the details, the king dying, and then uh, people claimed they saw him and proclaimed him across the world. How do you explain this psalm? For me, this is just such huge evidence that this is true. The Bible is God's word. The good news, what it says, it's, it's real. It warms your heart. But, but how should that then affect us? Well, I hope this big vision gives you such hope and joy, right? This is the, the kingdom we're waiting for. This is the, the future we're waiting for. Uh, if we suffer like this, if we go through difficult times, isn't it wonderful that, you know, the long, this is the long term. Whatever might happen now, the big picture is feasting and worshiping with this king. If you trust in Jesus, that's where you will be. Uh, even the, the current protests, right? People are often saying, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know the future of Hong Kong. Well, th- this psalm gives us the future of Hong Kong. This tells us what's going to happen, right? Uh, this is talks about the ends of the earth, feasting and worshipping. Uh, the, the future, it's not communist, it's not democ- democratic, it's a monarchy under King Jesus. That is the big picture. We, we just need to look bigger. Just like, you know, the current protests lift our eyes from just me to bigger. Actually, we need to go from beyond Hong Kong to this greater kingdom. And that gives us hope. Uh, that can give others hope. 
And people are hopeless. They despair. But, but this psalm gives us the bigger kingdom we need, right? Wouldn't it be... Well, what would happen if everyone knew about this hope here in Hong Kong? Would there still be the same despair? Would there still be the same things going on? If everyone knew about this king, if everyone knew about this, the, the leader we all want, if everyone knew about the justice and peace and prosperity of this kingdom, it would change everything. What if people could see that? Not just hear about it. What if they, they, they saw the church and they saw Christians and there were just no social problems here? And the people are worrying about injustice and inequality and, and poverty. And actually you come to church and, and there's no poverty. There's no inequality, no injustice. Everyone loves each other. And that spills over to our neighbors. That would be something, right? All because of this king. Yeah, this kingdom, yes, it's future in some ways. But it started. It's here in the church. And it would be wo- wouldn't it be wonderful if people come to church and see that kingdom, see this hope lived out, see it in action as we generously love our, our each other, love our neighbors. I don't know what that would look like, big picture. Uh, but that's the dream, right? That is it if this kingdom would break into this world. I, I hope that that lifts our eyes. I hope that whatever we feel about what's going on, no matter which side we're on, there is something greater, something more hopeful, something much better uh, that, that we need, that others need, and that will come. So why don't we, yeah, why don't we pray and, and praise God? Lord Jesus, we... Thank you that you are our king. You're the king who loves, who cares, who came down, who suffered this incredible agony uh, for sinners like us. Father, we don't deserve uh, a great kingdom, but you've welcomed us in, uh, the poor and needy, to come and feast and, and worship. Father, we long for many more to join, for many who are so desperate at this time to find peace, to find hope, to find comfort in your self in your great kingdom Father help us to be your instruments Uh, as you sacrificed and loved would we follow you in sacrifice and love in Jesus name Amen Great.